All right, go and pull out your worship guide notes and along with the Rock Church pen and take some notes along with us this morning. Today we are on chapter three, uh, really part three of this series. And Habakkuk, can everyone say Habakkuk? 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 Yeah, some of you guys, I ain't saying that because of all this virus stuff going on. I ain't going to cough up all that stuff on my neighbor. You're totally fine. We got enough Germex for everyone. It's going to be okay. But we're on chapter three in the final chapter of this book. And what we've been doing is we're going through this book, again, called Habakkuk, uh, which is also the name of a prophet who wrote this book. And uh, he was a prophet of a section, just a quick recap, a prophet of a section of Israel called Judah. And it's very interesting because during this time, Judah was not prospering. In fact, it was very impoverished. Uh, injustice and violence and cruelty was taking over uh, this place. And this is all taken back about 2,600 years ago. Um, and Habakkuk felt he needed to speak a message to God on behalf of the people. And that was really interesting because a prophet's job is to speak a message on behalf of God to the people. This prophet was doing things backwards. And uh, really, he was kind of not filtering anything he was saying. He was talking to God about all that stuff was going on. So Habakkuk, he's speaking to God, and he says, and what he says is so raw, again, unfiltered. And we really get a glimpse of Habakkuk's frustration and confusion and anger, and he lays out all his issues with God. Now, be honest. You know, we can take our polished tails off. We're not that perfect this morning. How many of us followers of Christ have had issues with God? How many of us have expressed those issues to God? Because whether you know it or not, He already knows your heart. And so I wanted this whole series is talk about hope in the dark. And so week one we talked about that it's okay to have frustrations and even doubts about what God is doing as long as your doubts drive you to God and not away. Last week we talked about how we're called to be a people of waiting and that if what God has asked us, if God has given us a blessing but it hasn't came to pass, we're supposed to wait patiently. Wait patiently. We talked about how we hated, hated waiting. But that's where Habakkuk's at. So chapter 1, you can feel easy in notes. Chapter 1 was all about wondering. Wondering. Habakkuk was left wondering, God, what are you going to do anything that's happening in my land? Uh, where are you, God? Do you even care, God? And then God replied with his message. You remember what God said? He says, hey, uh, Habakkuk, stand back, watch, and be amazed. And this is the time where a lot of people are thinking, oh, finally, God's going to intervene. He's going to bring the healing. He's going to bring the restoration. He's going to bring the favor. He's going to bring the blessing. But God does not do that. In fact, he does the opposite. And so he tells Habakkuk, he says, do you know what? Actually, what I'm going to do is I'm going to raise up your enemies, the Babylonians. I'm going to raise them up, give them power, and they're going to come over and take over you and execute judgment on your nation. And so Habakkuk, he was left wondering about all of this stuff with his doubts and his wrestling, everything. And then chapter 2 was all about waiting. He heard what God said. Now he's just waiting. He's left wondering and now he's waiting for all this to unfold. But he also knows that God is going to do something good out of this. And so in chapter 2, he says that he climbs the watchtower and he takes his post at the guard post. Meaning that Habakkuk is placing himself in the midst of his hurting and anguish and confusion. In the midst of all of that, he's taking a best possible place in his life to listen to God. Now that's really important because in the midst of our hurt, our anguish, 
our suffering, the last thing we want to do is listen to God, right? In fact, we probably want to tell God a few things, if we can be completely honest. God, I've got this issue. God, why don't you do this? God, why don't you do that? God, I see you doing this in this person's life, but that's not happening in my life. God, 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 why, 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 why? Habakkuk doesn't do that. Instead, he positions himself in the best possible place, up in the watchtower, at his guard post. And he's saying, God, I'm ready to hear your voice. In the midst of all this, God, I'm ready to hear from you. And we concluded last week that if it's not God's timing, meaning that timing of that blessing, you can't force it to happen. You can't force God to do something. In fact, we also talked about if you could force God to bring a blessing when you think you needed it, you probably would mess up the blessing. Because when we think we're ready, we're actually not ready. Anyone here has raised teenagers before? I have not. Pray for me. I've got little ones. But I remember what I put my mom and dad through when I thought I was a big boy. I can drive. I can do that. I wrecked two or three cars in high school. I can do this by myself. I can make my money. I know how to budget. I was broke all the time. I don't need to. God, I, I, I can do this. And if we did the same thing with God and God would have listened, we probably would have messed up the blessing or we wouldn't even know how to handle it. And so we talked about if it's not God's timing, you can't force it. But if it is God's timing, you can't stop it. And so we get here to chapter 3, the last chapter of all of this. And I must warn you again, usually like the last chapter, last couple chapters of a fairy tale book or the last scene in a Disney movie, it ends all nice and warm and fuzzy. But we also know Habakkuk is not a fairy tale message. Week one, I warned us that this is not a happy-go-lucky message. The story of Habakkuk is actually a very hard message to listen and to read and to watch everything unfold. So let's get started at chapter 3. In order to do so, we need to look at Habakkuk 2.20 because it's here, church, that Habakkuk's tone Changes. I want you to see his tone, how it changed. This is what he says. Remember, he's waiting, and he's hurting and wondering. And he says this. He says this. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. But the Lord is still in his temple. Meaning this. With everything that I see going on around me, God is still on his throne. If that should preach into our current state, I don't know what will. In spite of everything that's going around me, like God, I know you're, you're raising up the Babylonians. Lord, I know that we have said we do this, but we have to turn our backs against you. Lord, I know this is what's happening, but you are still on your throne. If there's anything, church, that you can take hope in today, it's not the fact that Walmart's restocking their toilet paper right now. Or there might be that last bit of Germex. But it's the fact that God has never abandoned his place of authority. And he's always at the ready. He is still on his throne. Can someone say amen to that? Amen. He is on his throne. 
And it continues in chapter 3 after this tone change. But before the verses, there's a little description above verse 2 in your Bibles, if you see it. It says this, and it's really important to know this, to continue to read through the rest of chapter 3. It says this, at least in my Bible, it says, A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, according to Shiganoth. Can everyone say Shiganoth? I tell you, you did not cuss. Don't worry. It's okay. But this word Shiganoth is super important because this is only used one other time in Psalm 7. And why this is important, it's important because when we read in chapter 3, chapter 3 is actually a song that he writes. And Shiganoth is the style of how the song is supposed to be sung. It would be like when we do our worship and there's times where we might come out and say, you know, this is a song of expressing our love or this is a song that we can clap our hands to and be excited. This is a song of restoration and healing. This is, you know, this is the, the style, the heart of the song. Shiganoth is the style of this song. And so if, if you can kind of put it in a way, Shiganoth is a song that always ends in multiple exclamation marks. I don't know if you guys get those people that text you a lot. Uh, there's people that know how to text correctly, you know, punctuations and those things. Then there are people who think to really get their point across, it's all caps and multiple exclamation marks. It's like they're yelling at you through their words. I don't like that. Because I'm like, did I do something wrong? But you're trying to express joy. You, you look crazy through your text messaging. Don't do that. You don't write term papers like that. Don't text like that, right? And so, but this is actually the style, the song of Shiganoth. And so a lot of us are wondering, like, Vaughn, what does Shiganoth actually mean? Well, Shiganoth is actually the plural version of Shigan. You're welcome. That is your scholarly teaching for today. Shiganoth and Shigan is like... I was going to have us play a little bit of a song, and I forgot to put it in there. I should have done it. Um, you guys know the singer Pharrell? I know it's church and all that, but you know, you know Pharrell, the rapper? He has a song called, I think it's called Be Happy or Happy. And it's just, this, it's just kind of like this uppy, beady, sound like, have you guys seen the Lego movie? I'm trying to get this. Have you guys seen the Lego movie? It's like, everything is awesome. Dun, dun, dun. everything's cool when you're part of it's like dance party woo like awesome like this is it's like energy and it's just ah multiple exclamation marks everywhere that is Shiganoth and it's so interesting because because this is the song of chapter 3 that Habakkuk is writing this is the style of song that he wants his people to sing in the midst of their hurting and turmoil. You see, it's easy for us when we go through breakups, we want to put on the country song, right? Like, ah, crawling my beer mug. She took my dog and my boat and my house. I don't know. I, I listen to country. I like country. But, but you know, when you have a breakup, you like, ah, Fears hitting. Uh. But Habakkuk says, no, 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 no. Like, we still need to know God is on his throne. And we need to still be singing songs of praise. 
In fact, this song in the style of Shigenoth, uh, one, one guy says, he, 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 uh, a commentary says this, it says, this style of song has strong emotion, passion-filled exuberance, uh, passionate singing with rapid change, uh, changes of rhythm, like hip-hop, like that's what they're talking about. Uh, high spirit of praise and enthusiasm. Another com uh, commentary said that this is not a whiny, crawl-in-your-beer ballad. It's not a country song is essentially what he's saying. Like this song is a praise song punctuated by exclamation marks. And even more so, this praise right here in Habakkuk chapter 3 is praise to God before God does something good. Which is really big. I know I've said that a lot of times this morning, but I'm really excited for chapter 3. Because we see a people praising God before a provision of God. Our natural tendency is God give us the provision, then we'll bring the praise. Habakkuk saying, no, no, no. We praise first, no matter if God does or does not bring provision. You talk um, uh, about a, a, a very radical way of worshiping. It'd be very similar to us up here saying, God, we're going to trust you. You're going you're to intervene in all this stuff. Like, God, we know you're big. You're bigger than all of this stuff. But you are still worthy whether or not you choose to do anything about our circumstances. This is the style of Shigenoth. More times than not, we praise God for what he does. We praise because he heals and he blesses and he gives favor. But this song is not for the what. It's a song for the who. And this is why he sings this song. Check it out. Habakkuk, starting out verse 2, 3, 2, he says this. This is a song. He says, I have heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did years gone by. And in your anger, remember your mercy. He says, God, I've seen you work in the past. I know what you can do. Lord, would you do it again? Again, Habakkuk chapter 1 was about wondering. Habakkuk chapter 2 is about waiting. Habakkuk chapter 3 is about resetting. Resetting. He's resetting his perspective. He's resetting his focus. He's resetting himself in the midst of everything that is going on. He's in this dark valley. And remember, Habakkuk means to embrace and to wrestle. He's embracing and he's wrestling with all that is going on. And he needs to reset. And he does a few things during this time in his dark valley. And I pray, church, as we go over this in the next few moments together this morning, that this will not only equip you for the next time you wrestle and embrace in your dark valley, but it will also encourage you. Habakkuk does two things. Two things. This is a two-point sermon. Everyone said... Oh, no, that's supposed to be an amen. Like, you know, like, he's finally preaching really short this morning. No, two-point sermon. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. We're not live streaming this, right? No. <laughs> but he does two things. The first one is this. Habakkuk remembers. He remembers. Specifically, church, he remembers the goodness of God. He remembers the goodness of God. He says, Lord, I remember what you did. In verse 3, he even goes on. He says this, Habakkuk 3.3. 3. He says, I see God moving across the desert from Edom. The Holy One coming from Mount Paran. His brilliant splendor fills the heavens and the earth is filled with his praise. Now, if you don't know 
the Bible historically, these two places were actually physical places where God took the nation of Israel for safety after fleeing from Egypt. And he's saying, Lord, I know what you did with us back then. During that horrible time where we're running for our lives, we're escaping Egypt, when we're in the middle of the desert and we're hungry and we're thirsty and we all thought we were going to die and we're all complaining. Lord, I remember what you did. I remember the goodness you showed us. I remember how you made a way when there was no way. And specifically right here, he's talking about, I remember, Lord, these two places were two places right after the sea split for them to cross. For those of you who don't know the story, they were, had their backs up against the wall, and Egypt was coming at them with all the chariots and, and all the weapons, all the stuff, and they were getting ready to wipe out all these people. And they were wondering, there's a sea there, and I see the sea of angry Egyptians over here. God, what are you going to do? Because we are going to die. Their backup was against the wall, and there wasn't a way. But how many of you guys know our God makes a way when there's no way in very supernatural ways? And so what happens is he says, you know what? Take your staff, Moses. Put it in the sea. I'm going to split the sea open. And he does that, and the seabed was dry, and they walked across, and they got there safely. And the God made the seawalls collapse on top of the Egyptians, wiping out their enemy. And he's saying, God, I know you did that then. I know you can do this now. He's remembering God's goodness. And he continues in the song, and even up to clear to verse 15, he pours out everything that God did, the goodness of God on Israel. He says, I remember when you poured bread from heaven to feed the starving. I, I, know, I remember how you made the birds bring food to your prophets. I, may, I remember how you made water come out of a rock and fire come from heaven. How you caused the sun to stand still for Joshua. I, I remember how you shut the mouths of the lions for Dana. I remember how you stood in the fire and protected three teenagers from being buried. God, I remember all of this. So Lord, in the midst of my hurt and my pain and my anguish, I remember your goodness. We have to do this, church, in the midst of our hurt and our pain. We have to remember God's goodness in our past. And whether you believe it or not, some of you might be thinking, you know what, God has never been good. You need to recheck your history. Because God has proven his faithfulness and his goodness time and time and time again in your life. More, part, more times than you probably would ever think of. During my times of hurt and my, and my times of, of, of difficult seasons, one of the most difficult seasons that we, my family has to go through every single year, um, my daughter Aspen, again, has, uh, has Down syndrome, for those of you who don't know uh, my children. But our daughter, is, our daughter is the oldest of all our two kids, and again, she has trisomy 21. But every year, she has to go in and get what we call a cancer test. Because her blood uh, structure is all messed up and it's in a prime way for cancer to leak in and take over her body. And so every year, right before Christmas, we have to go in and take a test to see, is this the day that we're going to get the bad news? That she might have cancer. By the way, if you guys don't know, cancer is very, very common among kids with Down syndrome. And it's a very hard thing to walk through. 
And every time we go in, it's really easy to get caught up in despair. There's times where we get caught up in despair. But we have to remind ourselves of God's goodness in her life and in our life in our past. If God can make her live through the three months in the NICU at Presbyterian St. Luke's, for sure he can get her through this. If God made her go through seven blood transfusions, for sure he can get us through this. If God gives the strength to endure everything that we went through, for sure he'll give us the strength to go through this, no matter what the outcome is. And we were praising God. We have to praise God before even the provision takes place. And what essentially we were saying is, God, no matter what happens today, you are still good. Because you're on your throne. And that is what matters. In fact, those were the very first words we said when we found out with our miscarriage with our third kid. She came home crying. And we kind of knew in our spirit something went wrong. And before we just even comfort, we said, God, you are still good. And we said that through our anger. We said that through our tears. We said that through the mourning process. God, you are still good. Remember God's goodness in your life. There was another time, Jill, uh, she had a very, uh, just a really bad back. And this is really crazy. This is another thing we have to remember of God's goodness. Really bad back. And there was one day, she calls me up and says, hey, I had uh, just, just a really bad back. My back is all swollen. She's had chronic back pain for a while. It's never been diagnosed, but it's been like one of those things that she's got to sit in uh, a tub full of really hot water and just kind of move. And, um, and then she comes on Sunday Live. You guys won't know because she comes on Sunday with a smile on her face. And uh, there's this one night she's just laying there. She's ah, like, my back is hurting. My back is hurting. My back is hurting. And, um, and she finally says, I think I'm supposed to just pray for my back for complete healing. I said, do you, babe. All right? Like, let's go. I'll agree with you. And she puts her hand on the bottom of her back. And I don't know if you guys have never seen the bottom of her back, thankfully, because that's my wife. Um, <laughs> but there was a baseball size just swelling on the bottom of her back that she, she, she can't move. And if she does, her back gets thrown out. And I kid you not, she placed her own hand on her back. And I feel bad because I'm the pastor. Maybe I should have done this. But she did it because I was sleeping. And she did. She prayed, and that swelling went down in an instant. She woke up the next day and has never came back within the six months. I'm telling you, that's good. Yeah, clap for that. That's good. That's good. That's good. Why do I say that? Not for the applause. I say that because that's a thing that I have to remember, that God, if you could bring healing then, you can bring healing now. These are the things we have to remember of God's goodness. We must remember God's goodness to us. I don't know what God's goodness in your life looks like, but I know there are stories in here where God has comforted you. I know there are stories where God has strengthened you. He has provided for you. He has protected you. He has directed you. He has healed and encouraged. Remember those times as you wrestle in the valley. If he did it then, he can do it now. If he did it, then he can do it now. That was Habakkuk chapter 3. That is what he's saying. The second one, we talked about this a week ago. We hashed out a little bit, but I think we need to hash out just a little bit more. But as you remember, the second thing he does is that he embraced. He embraced. Remember, Habakkuk's name means to wrestle and to embrace. We're really good at wrestling with God. We'll wrestle with God with all our issues 
all the time. But it's really hard, church, to embrace the issues that you are in. To embrace the issues that we're in. We said it last week. We have a tendency just to endure the issues that we're in. To endure the dark. Enduring is this passive state where we kind of huddle in our doomsday bunker and just wait for the storm to go through. That's enduring. I would argue that God has not asked us to just endure, but to actually embrace. Embracing means let's make this current issue that we're in productive for the glory of Christ. Say that one more time. Embracing means to make your current issue that you are facing right now, make it productive for the glory of Christ. There's one thing that I'm praying along with some other pastors in the valley with this whole COVID-19 stuff is that through all of this, God, would you find a way to make this somehow glorify you? Because I know the rest of the world is speaking death and fear, but Lord, you are not of death and you are not of fear, so there's a reason why this is happening and you take something out of nothing and making a something for your glory. Don't just endure, but to embrace. This is Habakkuk's name. Habakkuk received the message from God. He was going to raise up the enemies. He felt as if it was unfair. He felt like he, he probably could have just endured. He probably could have just quit his job and just walked away. But he didn't. Instead, he decided to embrace. How? When things looked bad and they were about to get worse, what did Habakkuk declare? God save me. God take away all my problems. God, I'm tired of this. God, I don't need you anymore. God, I'm going to throw all this. No, he says, you know what? God, you are still in your temple. You are still on your throne. And because of that, I'm going to write a praise song right now. There is this... Uh, um, time in my life where uh, it was a very short time. Um, it was during uh, just an internship of mine, but I was uh, we were at a church, and um, the best way I can think of this when I was writing this song, I'm like, I don't know, like this is not in our culture, but I'm like, if there's a way I could like do this. Have you guys like ever been to a black church? Right now, I'm not talking about like you went there and it was like African. I'm talking about you go there and they have these things called praise breaks where they just go full-on cray-cray. For those of you who know what cray-cray means, it just simply means crazy. On steroids. And it is not just praise breaks, like, you know how our praise is like, yeah, clapping, woo. No, this is like, they're dancing, they're twirling, they're doing all this stuff, not just to look crazy, but they're just saying, we love God this much. I believe this is kind of the style of Habakkuk that he's writing in the midst of his hurting. He says, you know what, God, I see this all, what's going on right now, but let me take a praise break right now. Because this is what we need. I would encourage you, church, that through this week, I don't, I'm not telling you you need to go out and start twirling and dancing. If that's on you, you know, do you, boo. But if, if, if you just, in the midst of the pandemic and the fear and the media, and shut it all off and take a praise break. Praise God for who he is and the fact that he's still on his throne. 
And that he's always looking out for you. And he's going to do somehow, some way, take this thing that we're in and turn it into a way that will actually glorify him. He's saying, my God is good. He's still on the throne. He's faithful. He is just. And essentially what he's saying through all of this, I think something that we need to say all the time is, I still trust in my God. I still trust in my God. When you declare this and you embrace what is happening, it strengthens your faith and it encourages your soul. And he's declaring this even as he realizes what's about to happen. Remember, he's doing this knowing that God is raising up his enemies to come over and to conquer his nation. And this is not like raise the white flag and take over. No, this is, this is calamity. This is bloodshed. This is pillaging. This is the worst of the worst possible thing that can happen to a nation. He's saying, in spite of all that, I still trust in my God. In fact, we get a sneak peek of what this calamity looks like. He says in 16, he says, I trembled inside when I heard this, meaning that he was freaking out. My lips quivered with fear. My legs gave way beneath me, and I shook in terror. I will wait quietly for the coming day when the disaster will strike the people who will invade us. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vine, even though the olive crops fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty. He's saying, you know what? Things are bad now. They're about to get really worse. I'm really scared. I'm freaking out. I know there's going to be no provision for people. Bloodshed will happen. Children will suffer and die. And many will die and be affected by what will take place. This is a horrible situation. And he says something in verse 18 as a response to this. He says this, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Now this is weird to us because I believe we have been blessed with our comfort in the way that we worship and we practice our faith in Jesus Christ. I need to let you know there are people that meet all around the world that the only thing that they can say to encourage themselves and refresh their soul is yet in the midst of all this even though I may die just for even being here I'm going to rejoice in the Lord we're going to rejoice in the Lord And we wonder why, how can he do this? For some of us, we read this and we don't want to believe this could ever take place or ever be our situation. That what we see with our eyes, the destruction, the hurt, that, that it doesn't line up with what our, what, what's in our hearts. That they know God is good and he's faithful to those who love him. But guess what? My eyes don't really see that. And my soul is having this crisis of belief. You need to get to a place where I will still rejoice in the Lord. And this is what happens when we hit our crisis of belief. And I can tell you, even as a pastor, the last thing I want to do is sing a song in a style of Shiganoth. The last thing I want to do in the midst of my heart is sing praise before God. And this is not just, again, some passive like, God, you are so good. This is like every fiber in his being is rejoicing in the Lord. 
I know there are people in here that we pray, but your loved one is still sick. You pray to conceive, but you still don't have a kid. You pray to restore your marriage, but it's still in shambles. God, I don't see a way out of this hurt. And let me tell you, we have dozens of reasons to not rejoice, church. But I would encourage you as best as I can, when, when every fiber in your being does not want to rejoice, respond like Habakkuk chapter 3. Wrestle with God with your issues, but also embrace and declare to yourself, I still trust in my God. I still trust in my God. The song of Habakkuk is, is, is singing, is not a half-hearted song to God. It's a song in the depths of his souls and a song that he's singing before the Lord. And this is not unnormal for Christians to do this when, back, when their back is against the wall. I don't know if you guys have seen or read stories or seen videos. I encourage you to actually not see them because they can get very graphic. But I, I have read stories of the first century Christians in Nero's circus where they're just tied to the stake and they're burned alive. And while everyone's expecting screams and agony, they're singing hymns of praise. I have seen videos of Christians being lined up to be beheaded by some very horrible people. And you would think you would see tears and fighting and screaming, but what you see is actually very peaceful men and women on their knees praising God while they're up in flames. And I don't know about you, but that, I would... I would ask that that would be our response in the face of our hurt, in the face of agony, in the face of painful seasons in your life. That we would respond with songs of praise and that we would remember God's goodness and we would embrace our situation. This is Habakkuk chapter 3. Habakkuk chapter 1 is wondering Number chapter 2, he waited. Chapter 3, he's resetting himself with a song of praise. A praise that is actually sung before provision. Keep that in mind. A praise marked with exclamation marks. Last week, um, I'll conclude with this. Last week, I talked about how this series has spoken to a lot of us. And uh, I have met with many of you and your situations, and I can tell you the enemy has been attacking our church. And again, I, I, it's kind of weird, but I would almost take it as a compliment because before God does something really good, the enemy will try to attack his hardest. And I pray that you, you see the faith in the actions of Habakkuk. That he doesn't just try to make best of a bad situation. Because that's what we've been taught, right? Like, I know you're having a bad day, but try to make the best of it. Try to think happy thoughts. Try to just to be, to be positive. Try to look on the bright side. But I understand that there's times where life just stinks right now. And life is just hard, and it's really hard just to even get through the day. But Habakkuk, he doesn't try just to make best of a bad situation. He goes deeper to that. He goes deeper than that. He knows what's about to happen to Judah, and it's not good. He doesn't even know if it's going to get better anytime soon, which it doesn't. But he declares that the Lord is still in his temple. God is still on his throne. And just for that fact, just for that fact alone, whether God was going to intervene or not, 
God is worthy to be praised in this manner of song. Many of you are an example of this. I would call this righteous faith. Many of you are an example of this. And, and I have seen you live this out recently. And I prayed about this next part, and I believe this is what God really wants to do. I don't do this off the fact that I think it's the first time this happened. This, this will take place, but there are people in our church that you need to know that things aren't going well and they have righteous faith. Righteous faith. Chris Malsbury. Is Chris, where's Chris Malsbury? Is he out, he's out there serving security? There, there you are, right there. Chris Malsbury. You had your job ripped out from underneath you just a few weeks ago. And you had this job for 20 years. Perfect driving record. Set up. Retirement, pension, everything good and going well. But all of a sudden you went in on work and you say, Chris, you don't have a job today. And it was just business. Man, if there's something to tick anyone off here, that would be that, wouldn't it? And I remember you coming in and the first words that left your lips, you didn't even tell me what the situation was beforehand. You said, Pastor, I know that God is still good. God is still good. That's righteous faith. That's righteous faith. Uh, Kate, you are going through an amazing life transformation right now. And you are searching and you're on this journey. And I can tell you that you have righteous faith right where you're at. You know why? Because you are here first thing. You are the first person to raise your hands up in worship for the last few Sundays. They're the highest hands in this whole room. And you are seeking God. That's righteous faith. Autumn and Jared Cole, they're not here. But I'm going to brag on them as well. They've been going through a huge adoption process. And they received over a hundred no's to cases that they said yes to. Now many of us could be thinking, oh, that's not a big deal. You say yes or no. That's not how adoption works. Because with adoption, you get the case file, you see the kid or the, or, or the possible kid, and you see the mama that's in despair. And they poured their heart in into each case, over 100 cases. The normal is 50. They got 100. 100 plus no's to their yeses. And Autumn and Jared have sat every single week wondering, did I hear from God? Like, I know he's called us to adopt, but did, did I hear from him correctly? And every time I met with them, Autumn and Jared said, do you know what? The very least I can do in my situation is I can pray for these mamas. And they have prayed for 100 plus mamas that are going through a life-changing decision. Each time that said no to their face, it was like ripping their heart out. They thought it was still worth it because they at least they got to pray. Remember a couple weeks ago I said, what if, what if God chose you for this difficult season because of your faith, your righteous faith in Him? Sometimes we think God would never allow bad things to happen. I don't believe God creates bad things. But I do believe He might allow you to go through a hard season to develop a character and a faith that you would never have had if you didn't go through it. What if he chose each one of you? What if he chose Autumn and Jared? 
said, you know what? You're going to go through a really hard time, but I know for a fact that if I put you through this, you will pray for these people. That, Chris, I know, like, I, you're not going to understand it. You're not going to maybe even comprehend it. But I know that you're actually going to respond to your bosses with love, grace, and truth. Someone will pick you for this. That, Cain, I know that you're going to seek and you're going to be earnest and you're going to have this newfound love in me. Someone will choose you for this journey. What if God chose you for this difficult season? Chapter one is about wondering. Chapter two is about waiting. Chapter three is all about resetting with a song of praise. Let's pray.